So you guys, we are in Acts chapter 3, and we are starting in verse 11 today. And the goal is to try to finish out the rest of this chapter. We'll see how it goes. But if anyone's visiting here today, or maybe if you weren't here last week, let's just start with a little introduction. Last week, you guys, we were looking at kind of the beginning of this chapter, and we saw Peter and John doing something super normal, just living out their regular lives, guys, just doing their regular thing, following Jesus in their regular rhythm. And in the process of that, their regular rhythm was to go to temple three times a day and pray. And I said last week that there's sometimes we have folks here that, man, they might show up like once a month. And so just be glad you're not Jewish. I'm just saying. They were going to the temple to pray at 3 p.m. like they did all the time. And they came across this lame man who they probably passed by a lot of times. And who, by the way, Jesus quite possibly passed by sometimes. And here's this lame man that had been there for years, and God used Peter and John doing their regular old thing to heal this man. And he immediately gets up jumping and screaming and freaking out. Can you imagine a man that's been lame from birth? Peter reaches down. He's like, hey, I, don't, I ain't got no silver and gold, but what I got to give to you. And he just picks this guy up. He's like, be healed in the name of Jesus. And the guy stands up, his ankles, his, his legs, you know, I don't know what that looked like. Did they like suddenly like you know, because I'm sure that they were super atrophied, right? It doesn't take, I mean, think about this. Luke is writing this, and there's actually some things that I didn't go into last week that I'm not going to go into because we don't have time. But I would encourage you guys, there's a lot of like very specific Greek words used in this text, in that section of text. Luke himself was a doctor. He was giving this very specific thing. And so he was kind of medically, I'm sure, just hearing these things and talking about these things. I wonder, was Luke like, what did that look like? Can you imagine? When I, when I blew my knee out and I couldn't walk on it for seven months, right, because of my, yeah, I had a walker. It was nuts. My kids put little po- my little pony stickers all over it. That's wonderful. And I was in the military, so I was like, um, But my leg atrophied pretty bad, right? And I'm a drummer, so my legs are usually pretty strong. The reality is, man, is that did his leg, which was probably little sticks, suddenly like grow muscle quickly, like boop, 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 right? Like pop out and be like, Ugh. I don't know what that looked like, but I know this. He stood up, he walked, and not only did he walk, he was jumping around, he was going crazy. He was healed. And the first thing this man does, and I love it, he goes into the very temple that he was never allowed to go in because he was lame. He walks right into the temple, jumping and screaming and praising God, something that he could never do before that moment. And the people all knew this guy. They're like, wait, whoa, what? what's going on? How you walking, Joe? What's going on? Right? That was his name, Joe. Did you guys know that? I don't know if that was the guy's name. But they're like, dude, what happened to you? Like, how, how did this happen, right? And so, so today, you guys, we're going to read about this opportunity that now Peter and John are given to speak the truth to all the people that are standing around. And so let's start reading. Verse 11 of chapter 3 in Acts says this. It says, while he clung to Peter and John... All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's, or Solomon's porch. Verse 12, it says, And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety 
we have made him walk. So right away, Peter is looking around. This guy, he's jumping, he's screaming. Maybe he tired himself out, and he's just like hanging on him. He's like, yeah, thank you. Oh, Lord, it's so good, right? And he's just on them, and, and he sees, Peter sees, man, everybody's kind of looking at us. Like this is, we're becoming a spectacle and not in a good way, right? They all want to know, but they're looking at Peter and John, and he can kind of sense just in the way they're looking and in kind of the way they're acting. Maybe he heard some murmuring and things that, that they were making a big deal out of Peter and John. And so Peter kind of cuts that off, right? He kills it with a quickness. He's like, no, that's not how this is working. We are not somehow super special. And so he calls them out with this question. You think we're special for doing something like this? You're looking at us like we got some kind of power? Can I just encourage you guys? As the Lord moves through us, it is always the best practice to put the attention back where it belongs. It's always the best practice to do that. And I got to also say another thing. As the Lord works through you, it can be tempting at times to be like, you know, I really worked hard. And uh, you're right. That was amazing. We wouldn't necessarily say that on the outside, would we? I mean, maybe some people wouldn't. I'd be like, well, all right, narcissist. Nice to meet you. But sometimes we might think it. Sometimes we, we might have to struggle through the attitude of that. Listen, I got to tell you, I have, there's a, a person, I won't even tell you who the person is at all, but the point is, is that there's times when people come up and they're like, man, that was a great message. I'm so glad you shared that. And I'm always like, man, praise God. That's kind of my common phrase. And I mean that. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I know me. And anybody that knows me here, which a lot of you do, you also know me. My, my mouth, by God's grace, doesn't look like my foot, but it fits it very well, right? And so I know me, and so it is God that works through me, but the, the, this one particular person is funny, because this person is always saying, like, look, I know you're just trying to be humble, but listen, you and I'm like, no, legit, like, I, I don't think that way, I don't want to think that way, I'll say it that way, right? But guys, we need to watch ourselves, it is always the best practice to put it the attention where it belongs. And that's what Peter is doing right from the start. He's like, no, come on. Let's not go there. You know another time that it reminds me of? And maybe I will do this sometime. No, I won't. I'm just kidding. What did Paul do on the island? Remember that? He got bit by a snake. He didn't get sick. He healed this person. And everyone's like, you're a god. And what did he do? He ripped his clothes, right? Now think about this. He just got done with a shipwreck. They started a fire because they were cold. What's he doing? Let me take my clothes off. No, he was tearing his clothes, guys, to try to be like, hey, no, this isn't me. That's a sign of mourning, right? He's like, no, you guys are missing the point. It's always our best practice to, to just make sure that we're really checking our heart and putting things where they belong. Verse 13, let's keep going. It says, the God of Abraham, this is Peter talking, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you instead. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong. You guys, real quick, I just want to talk about this. The idea of a name in the Jewish culture is very important. 
He wasn't just saying that if we say Jesus, that something magical was going to happen. Jesus, the name of Jesus, this person, his name was who he was. Do you get what I'm saying? That's not how we think, right? My name's Jeremy. There's a lot of Jeremy's. Nobody cares. Does that make sense? Not there. No, when you said Jesus, there were a lot of Jesuses, by the way, but his name, the power of his name, who he was, the essence of him was wrapped up in that word. And so whenever he says that, that's what he's trying to say. He's like, this person, it's faith in this person. It's faith in who Jesus is that healed this man. So verse 16 says, in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. You guys, Peter goes on further with this crowd, and I need us to hear this, and this is kind of the thrust of the message today. The message name today is called this, THE TRUTH, all capital, T-H-E, THE TRUTH, will set you free. The truth. And it's an important point. And I think it's an important cultural moment point. And I say that because here in America, and we're going to talk more about it, truth is under attack in every possible way. And so I want to talk about that today. And I am not here to stand on a soapbox. It's on my heart. But what the Lord is showing me here, I think applies all the way across the board to all of us. Let's look at it. Peter speaks the truth to them. Jesus is the one that healed this man. No one else. I didn't inflect my Hebrew wording just so, like we hear some pastors doing nowadays. Right? Peter's saying like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like my words and how I said them and in what order I said them in. It wasn't only the faith that I had that, that healed this man. It wasn't just his faith that healed him, it was Jesus who healed him. Jesus healed him. Was there faith involved? Absolutely. I promise you there was. And I've had this discussion with some people, and some people are like, well, I think it was Peter's faith that healed him. And I say yes to that. And some people are like, well, I think it was a man's faith. And I say yes to that. Do you know why? Because I don't care how much faith Peter had. If the guy was like, I'm not getting up, nothing's going to happen. If Peter didn't have faith that God was calling him to heal this guy, guess what would have happened? The guy would have kept sitting there as Peter walked by him. Do you understand? I'm not going to get bogged down in whose faith was what and who had more. Who cares? God moved because God wanted to move. And there were two obedient people in the process. The person that was being healed and the person that was being used to heal. It's never any different for us, you guys. It's such a silly argument to me. Maybe I'm the only one having them. So you guys are all like, I don't even know why you're making that a big deal. Because I hear it a lot, man. Not, Not here in this church, just in general, in theological conversation, if you know what I'm saying. So, Jesus is the one that healed this guy. This man had faith in Jesus. God did something miraculous in this situation. But I want you to notice here. Peter kind of put them on, on notice, didn't he? Yeah. And not just like, Peter didn't just like, kind of like say, well, guys, you know, I mean, it was this Jesus guy that, 
you guys kind of treated a little poorly. You guys were a little mean to him. No. What did he say? He told him the truth. You killed him. You slaughtered the author of life. By the way, guys, Jews, you, you killed him in spite of the fact that this pagan Pilate wanted to let him go. You chose a murderer over your Messiah. Like he punks him out. He calls it out. He's like, this is what you've done. Some of you guys here might be like, man, that's a little harsh, Peter. It's kind of hurtful. I mean, I mean, you know, like maybe they were sick that day and they weren't really there in the moment that Jesus was being persecuted. So how does Peter know that? And like, you know, and we, does that sound familiar? We always have a reason. Some way to soften the blow. You guys... Can I just encourage you in something? What was the reason for Peter and John to speak so bluntly to these people? Can I tell you what it was? You guys, it's because life and death hangs in the balance of the conversation around the name of Jesus Christ. Life and death. And not just life and death here. We are all going to die unless the Lord returns. That's a fact. It's the one guarantee. Death and taxes are two guarantees. Right? But the truth is, you guys, unless the Lord returns, we're all going to croak. So I'm not talking about, I'm talking about eternal life and eternal death. That's what the Bible preaches. That's the weight of the truth. Do you guys understand what I'm getting at? You guys... I believe it's the most hateful thing any Christian can do to not share the truth of what we believe when God gives us opportunity. Key right there. When God gives us the opportunity. I don't want you to hear me saying like, oh, so because I don't pass every human being that I'm walking by on a street and talk to them about Jesus, you think I'm hateful, Pastor? No, I don't. But when God provides an opportunity, when there's a wide open door for you to walk in, and I got to admit, sometimes I would rather push a door open a little bit, personally, than to, than to maybe not. Does that make sense? Why? Because I, I believe that we're called to scatter seed. And so if the door's open this much, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to scatter a little seed up in there. You know what I'm saying? I'll stick my hand in there. I want to tell people about Jesus. And I think, guys, we can do it in a way that honors God and, and, and doesn't cut people down. But can I also say, sometimes we are so busy worrying about what people feel and think that we really don't tell the truth. And that's the thing I want to talk about today. Because, I, man, when we read this here, when I was reading this and when I was studying, I'm like, Peter, that was hardcore. You killed the author of life. You. People. And where's he standing? In the temple. He's standing in the temple. So guess who's there around him? People that were devout. People that were at prayer. People that were... This, he wasn't down at a bar talking to people. 
nothing wrong with that. But my point is, he was speaking to the people that would look back at him and be like, I've got it figured out. What are you talking about? Go down to the bar and talk about it. Yes, do go down to the bar and talk about it. They need to hear it too. But so do you, you freaks. Because you all, we all, are messed up human beings that need Jesus. Right? And I want you to hear something. I don't believe this was hateful in the least. Why do I think that? Because he didn't just leave it there. Why does a doctor... Well, let me ask this. Do you guys think it's hurtful and hateful when a doctor tells someone that is a constant smoker and is an alcoholic, hey, if you continue down this path, you're probably going to get some form of cancer, lung cancer, jaw cancer, something. And by the way, if you continue drinking, your livers are being crushed. Like it's, your livers, it's not good on your liver. You're not going to, you are going to suffer for this and you will probably die an earlier death. Is that hateful of a doctor to say? No, I would say not. I would say quite the opposite. It's incumbent upon the doctor to speak that truth into their lives because it is the truth, right? It's the truth. Mm -hmm. You are not doing yourself any favors if you live that life. Culture will look at a doctor and say, well, yeah, you should say those things. You should do those things. It is good for you to speak truth into people's lives, drug addicts, to tell them you need to stop doing that, all these things. But then they look at Christians and they're like, eh, don't share that. That's not okay. You guys, if you stop smoking, your, lo- your body can regenerate. Things are good. It's a good thing to stop smoking. I'm not, by the way, if you smoke here today, that's not the point. My point is this, though, is that it's a good thing to say to someone, but how much more weight and how much more importance is there on do you know who Jesus is? Have you dealt with Jesus in your life? Do you get my, I mean, come on. Peter didn't just hammer him into the ground. And I need us to hear this. This is the thing, you guys. Westboro Baptist putting up signs, God hates fags. No, he doesn't. No. God hates sin. Sinners. God loves humans. He loved us so much he sent his only son. That's the truth. I'm thankful, you guys, that I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I did prior to coming to Christ, I did in ignorance. You know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful, guys, for God's grace in my life. And I wish I could say that, boy, I just keep doing some of these things that I'm ignorant to, that I'm, you guys know what the word ignorant there means. It's not like a derogatory term. It just means unknowing. You don't know what you're doing right? And so, guys, there are plenty of things that I do sinfully that I'm like, oh, no, I didn't even realize that I did that until later, and my wife calls me out on it, and I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> right? In a good way. I, hey, listen, get yourself a good wife that'll call you out on your crap. Amen. You need one, or a husband for you women, <laughs> right? But listen, the point is, though, or a good friend, right? The, what am I trying to say? There's a lot of things I do that are like that, but can I freely admit to y'all, there's some things that I know aren't right that I do anyway. Ah, oh, geez. But either way, God's grace is sufficient as I, as I repent. But you guys, he, he says this to them. He's like, look, what you did, you did in ignorance. 
So he's not just dropping the hammer on them. He's not using the truth as an anvil weight to drop on their head. This is not Wiley Coyote. He's not trying to smush the roadrunner. What he's saying is, yes, there is the weight of the truth that you killed the author of life. There is the weight to what you've done. Even if you did it in ignorance, it doesn't take away the sin. You did it anyway. And he points out, you guys, that this has been foretold by all the prophets. If you don't believe me, go read them, all of them, every one of them. (laughs) But I would encourage you, the, the one that sticks out so painfully the most to me is Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, man, he spoke about crucifixion hundreds of years before it even existed as a way. It's almost like the Romans went and read Isaiah and was like, hey, that sounds amazing. Let's do that. That sounds torturous. You guys, all the prophets spoke of this. All of them talked about this idea that like, there was going to be a Messiah that would come that would be cut down by his own people, that would be denied by his own people, that this type of thing were, was going to happen. And so let's keep reading. Verse 19. It says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise, you, uh, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and to those who came after him also proclaimed these days, the days that they were currently in. Verse 25 says, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall be the families of the earth, or shall the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you, from your wickedness. You guys, Peter's saying, look, whether you knew what you were doing or not, you still have to hold yourself to an account. How many of y'all did something ignorantly in school like you didn't know? You know, when I was in grade school, I didn't actually realize you had to go to class. (laughs) So there was one time I just stayed in the bathroom because I was going to the bathroom and that took a little while longer. And then I got done. I'm like, I'm just going to go hang out with my friends. <laughs> and so I just went and found another room. And so the teacher was like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, my friends. And they're like, uh, what class are you? Like, no, what, what is happening right now? I ignorantly didn't know. Still got in trouble for it. Right? I'm still held to account. Now, granted, it was light trouble. It was this. You go to your room and stay in your room. Right? Do you get my point? I'm just giving you a really innocent one. (laughs) But you guys, there's still a need to repent. There was a need to repent for them, and repent has become such a negative, ugly, nasty word that I got to tell you, it isn't at all. It's the polar opposite of nasty and ignorant, or nasty and gross. It's, It's the most blessed word to me that we have in our vocabulary. Do you know why? Because it's the one word that we're afforded only because Jesus died and rose again. We're afforded repentance because Jesus died for us. We don't deserve 
repentance. We deserve hell. We deserve to just suffer our entire lives. We deserve for this to be as close to heaven as we would ever get. And yet Jesus died and rose again to give us the opportunity to come to him and say, man, I'm sorry, Lord. I want to turn from this garbage and I can't even do that. I need you. I need you. And we put all of our sin and all the weight of that upon the the cross of Christ and we walk in the freedom of grace. And we don't keep walking the way we were going, getting deeper and deeper and deeper into our own filth. We turn around and walk out of it in the power of Christ. That's what he was giving them the opportunity to do. He's like, you might not have understood what you were doing, but this is what you did. You killed the author of life. You. By the way, we don't get to look at the Jews like they have historically and say, oh, you Jews, I can't believe you did that. You killed the author of life. I killed the author of life. We have all played a part. If you're here today and you don't think you did, you don't get salvation yet. Truly. You don't. You got to own your crap. You got to own your own junk of which there is not one of us here doesn't have. We all have junk. You guys, they needed to repent, to turn away. They were just a bunch of screwed up humans doing screwed up human things the same way we do. And I need you to hear this. Verse 19 says, repent, therefore, and turn back, which is what repent means, turn away, that your sins may be blotted out. Verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You guys, Peter Blatchley and I get together every Friday, and I just want to encourage you guys, man, it's such a blessing to just get together. We get together, well, not every Friday, most Fridays, at 6.30 in the morning, and we just sit here and we pray. We just seek the Lord, and we're all over the map with what the Lord puts on our hearts to pray for. But specifically, this Friday was just such a blessing. And it was was so amazing to me because just to be really honest, you know what I was able to repent of? Apathy. I was able to just take it to the Lord and dig past what was happening. Because did you ever get there where you're praying and you're like, Lord, I don't even know what's going on in me, but I know there's something going on in me. And I don't understand exactly how it's all working out, but there's, there's, I, I need you to scrub me out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I asked God, y'all remember the, um, what are they called? Not, yeah, the Brillo pads, steel wool. Woo, those things will bring anything. Man, they'll, they'll strip paint. They'll do whatever you want it to do. Sometimes I ask God to be a Brillo pad inside of me. Scrub me out right? Scour me. And he's faithful to do that. And as I was repenting of just this general malaise of things, the Lord began to lay specific things on my heart that were there, that were going deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was so refreshing. It was so refreshing for both of us to just sit there in prayer together and seek the Lord together and cry together, and just seek the Lord, and be like, huh. and we walked out of there totally different than when we walked in, and it was so awesome. That's repentance. That's why whenever people say it, and they think and act like it's a five-letter or four-letter word, I'm like, man, you don't get repentance. You don't understand it, because what it is, is beautiful. What it is, is freeing. It's refreshing. It's like, oh, God, thank you. Thank you. We walked out of here refreshed and renewed because of repentance. And that's what Peter was saying to them, like, be made clean. 
Repent of your garbage. Final thing that Peter goes into here is that he says, like, hey, Jesus had to go. None of this is outside of God's purview. That should give you guys all a really solid sense of rest. It does me. When I put my foot in my mouth really, really big, and I'm like, oh, God, what the heck? Oh, Father, why don't, please help me not to say it that way next time. Or God, you know, when your wife does the tap on the leg, and you're well, my wife, you know, and then, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to keep plowing on. And then she's like, and then she's like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> in those moments, you guys, I thank God for repentance, but I also thank God that my God's big enough that he's still going to work good out of my stupidity. And not that I'm aiming that direction, but do you get my point? Man, it's good. We serve a good God. And so here they were. They had done these things, and Peter really laid it out for them. This is what you did. You need to repent of these things so that refreshing can come your way, so that you can understand a walk in the freedom. And by the way, remember, it wasn't that long earlier. It's only been a little while previous that 3,000 people had come to the Lord that had repented, that had found that refreshing. He names all of these Old Testament prophets that point to Jesus. Moses spoke about Jesus. He spoke of a prophet that would come and be destroyed from among his own people. And Peter makes the point that every prophet spoke of these days. And then Peter makes his final plea. He's like, man, Jews, you guys were the sons and daughters of the prophets. You, beyond every other people, you get the first crack at this. Why? Because you have the clearest understanding of it. All of the scripture was available to them the whole time. They had the first opportunity. God wanted to use them like he had always wanted to use them to bless everyone around them by their obedience to him. Church. God wants to use us Christians here in Dover, here in the Seacoast area, to bless those around us by our obedience. As we're just faithful to walk it out. I'm not talking about weird legalistic obedience, like, I came to church four times this month. I went, good job on me. No, I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm talking about walking it out day by day by day by day, going up to someone and being like, man, I don't know, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. Or going up to that person that you're like, God, he really annoys me. And most of you guys are like, that's you, pastor. You annoy me. <laughs> Being nice and coming up and talking to me anyway. Do you get my point? Having a conversation or having a, an interaction with someone that maybe you would never otherwise even take the time to do. Doing the things that God's called us to, the uncomfortable things. You guys, that's the point. I saw a meme really quick. I, man, I'm totally blowing it, but there's, I, I, tried, I was going to send it out. I almost put it on the Awaken Great Bay page. I still might. It was Batman, Lego Batman, and it was uh, the butler. What's the butler's name? Alfred. Alfred. Yeah, I had Jeeves. I'm like, it's not Jeeves. Alfred was there, and he's like, sir, I've got a plan for you. You need to go, and you need to interact here, and, and Batman goes, no, and then he's like, no, 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 but as he's doing no, 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 he's rolling all over the floor. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, but you'll like it. And no, 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 no. And then he keeps saying no, no, no. And then he's like, but, 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 no. At the end of it, the thing on the top said this, God calls you to do something uncomfortable. 
and then the bottom part was you. No, 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 no. <sighs> Let's say yes. Just once. You're blessed by being obedient to God, but others around you are blessed in the process as well. Amen? So to conclude, you guys, I need to say something that I feel like the Lord's put on my heart for this. And I prayed a lot about this because I am not quick, I don't think, to just dive into very specific things. Um, I don't know, maybe that's wrong, but society today tells us that truth is relative. And, and I need you to hear this when I say society, American society today, because if you go to other countries, they think we're wackadoodles. So American society says that truth is relative. You guys, this is where we get to the terms of like, I have my truth and you can have your truth. And I saw some eye rolls here, and this is why I don't usually engage these things, because we need to engage culture where they are, which means no eye rolling, which means engaging them in love, mm -hmm. hearing them, recognizing that that's what they really think, and that's okay to a level, but in the process of all that, never shying away from speaking the truth, the truth. You guys, truth is exclusive. There is one truth, and everything else on that particular point is either a lie or not just not true. That's a fact. Gravity is a real thing. I've actually said that to someone, and they said to me, yeah, well, we have planes. You're right. Planes still come down. Why? Because of gravity. We can pump something full of helium and float around for quite a while, but guess what? It still comes down. Why? Because of gravity. Gravity is a force that you can't get around, that you can't get away from, unless you go into outer space, which brings up its own list of problems. Truth is exclusive, you guys. And one of the grossest examples to me of truth being relative in this culture that we live in, in my opinion, came during the Me Too movement. And again, I don't like engaging these very specific things, but it just strikes me because here's the truth. The truth is that there was sexual abuse happening at the hands of elites in society. There was truthfully sexual abuse that was happening to people at the hands of people that had more wealth, more money, and more power in our society. And Oprah applauded specifically all these women by saying that they're owning their truth. And I hate that phrase, you guys. I do get it on a level. I need you to hear this. And this is where I can engage with culture and say, I see sort of where you're coming from. But if, if we say it in those terms, if those women have their truth about what happened to them, then guess who else has a truth? The man that perpetrated it has their truth too. Which truth is the truth? That's what I hate about the phrasing. That's what I can't stand about it. Because there is one truth. Either that man abused that woman or the woman is lying about the man. But there is only one thing that happened in that moment. One thing. And it disgusts me, to be perfectly honest, in our culture today, when I hear it because it is so patronizing and so devaluing to what actually happened in those moments. 
And I'm just picking one big thing that we're all aware of. Think of how often we hear those things every day. It's devaluing. It's patronizing. It's insulting. The truth of the Me Too movement, you guys, based on the justice that juries have convicted people for is this, that women were raped, that women were molested, that women were treated in a demeaning and dehumanizing way. It isn't their truth. It's the truth. Flip the script on all this, you guys. There's a lot of men and women over the years that thank God for DNA and different things we figured out have been kept and incarcerated for something they didn't do for years. Their truth was that they were innocent. The truth of the cops, their truth was that they did it. Whose truth is right? Do you get my point? It's not right. There's one truth. There's always one truth. And if we don't believe that, those people that spend many, many years in prison, when the truth comes out, those governments... Those police departments, those states have to pay exorbitant amount of money to do one thing, to try to give somebody back something in payment for the years that they will never get back when they were wrongfully incarcerated. Do you under, I'm just bringing up two little tiny points that make me kind of cringe every time someone does say about even the simplest of things, my truth and their truth. And so yes, inside, I freely admit, I do want to roll my eyes. But can I just encourage us, church? That rolling your eyes doesn't help. Being a people that are like, oh my God, I'm not that. That doesn't help have a conversation with anybody. So even if you feel it inside, hold it inside. <laughs> Hear them out. Why? Because a conversation is going to get a lot further if you're trying your best to speak to them in love and grace and speak the truth to them. And by the way, the truth of Christ is way more important than a lot of other things in this world. I would say it's more important than everything in this world. You guys, the truth is, we've, if you're here today and you're a Christian and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, You've accepted the truth that there's only one way to heaven, and that is through Christ. So believing that to be true, speak the truth to everybody you can. Everybody that you have an opportunity to. You guys, next week, though, we're going to continue reading, and I know I'm running late. I apologize. But next week, we're going to read that not everyone accepts the truth. And by the way, before we go too far down the rabbit hole, we are not Calvinists in this church. I do not think God only died for so many people. I see so much scripture that says otherwise, that God desires that all would come to him, that Jesus died for who? All. But it doesn't mean they have to accept it. God's a gentleman. He's not going to force you into it. But guys, the question of life and death is that important to me. And so I want to say one final encouragement to you. If you use terms, and again, I'm not trying to go too far down this rabbit hole. I really prayed a lot about this message. I do all of them, but this one I didn't kind of want to give because I feel like it's so nitpicky in a way. But in another way, you guys, the enemy is attacking truth. Why? Because when we can have chaos reign, when we can have complete relativism reign, guess what doesn't exist anymore? Any one way to heaven. 
I believe it's totally the enemy that has our culture doing what it does. I really do. I genuinely believe that Satan is at the charge, is at the head of this charge to try to make everything relative. And it makes it incumbent upon us Christians to speak the truth in love to others and to keep the truth real. And so if you are here today and you use terms like my truth, can I just encourage you to stop? I understand the sentiment at times. I really do. But it cannot be your truth. Because there is one truth in every situation. So call it what it is, the truth, or don't say it because it's a lie. Don't minimize the truth to fit in with the vernacular of today. You guys, we need to stand up by declaring the truth of Christ in the face of what I see in this country getting worse, not better. So I love you guys. I know I kept you late. Let's pray. And if you guys want to talk about this, I'm here. We can chat. God, I thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that there is truth. Father, I do pray, God, would you help us as a church to be a people, Lord, that speak the truth to people in love, God, in love. And I do thank you, Father, that the rest of the world has not gone off the crazy bandwagon like we have, Lord. But man, God, for whatever reason, America is a leader within this world, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord, that as we export so many things, I pray, Lord, we don't export our craziness. Lord, for us that are here today, for this church, God, Father, I'm, I am praying, God, would you help us, Lord, to be a people that learn from you that walk in your strength, Holy Spirit, that walk in your discernment and your wisdom, Lord, that we could speak the truth, God, to people's hearts when you call us to. Lord, that you would teach us to love people well. And Lord, that most of all, Father, that we would be people that are in this world, but not of this world, God. Lord, that we would be peculiar, but Lord, not so removed, God, that we are missing it. Help us, God. We can't do this without you. I pray for the boldness that Peter had, God, to speak the truth. And God, for the joy of being able to call people to repent. Give us words. Give us everything we need, Father, to do those things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Awaken Great Bay in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our church or need prayer for something in your life, connect with us at awakengreatbay.com.